Hey, all you Theosciples! I'm Michael. And I'm Brendan from Finding Christ in Cinema. You are listening to the Theonauts Podcast with your hosts, David and Jeremiah. Right here at GCTNetwork.com. Your Great Commission Transmission. It's the Theonauts. Episode 136. The one where polity pollutes the pontiff. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you Theo Presbyteros out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are the, the, the Theonauts. I feel like we've already recorded an entire session. I know. And now and we're it just hasn't like, even really been about our topic. I know. We like, just got it. Man, sometimes we've been having reformed debates in here. Sometimes, kitties, we get in here and we start talking. And then before you know it, we're in a 40-minute tirade. Yeah. <laughs> About to throw computers at each other. David knocked over his uh, glass of juice onto his uh, Apple computer in an angry motion. <laughs> it wasn't real angry. No. It wasn't angry. It was more exclamatory. It was passion. It was passion. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. You should have seen it. It was almost fisticuffs. Yeah, Jeremiah's like, we should be recording this. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it would have no topic like it would not fit anything there's something in there about everything though yeah. it's kind of we fun the, you know every now and then we just have to hash it out that's right. and go well you can believe that if you want i don't care whatever you're wrong <laughs> whatever be wrong i love you that is the beauty of a coin on the <laughs> amen to that still my brother <laughs> yes so hey david how's your week oh man it's been okay yeah? Yeah, I, I can't... Go. Well, okay. It's been okay, but it's been crazy. <laughs> so there's a there's a local guy... Yes. ...that, that we have been really helping in mm-hmm. our church. Um, he's a retired naval officer, or officer, naval petty officer. Mm-hmm. And he um, struggles with getting by, you know, all this sort of stuff. Got had an eye problem. He's like, out of the blue, he's like, I can't see out of my eye. So... Uh, there was nobody available to take him to the to the ER except for my wife. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, uh, okay, I was just not real cool sure, with that. Absolutely. But you got to do what you got to do. So right. she t- she takes him to the ER. They tell him you may have had a stroke. Uh, you need and and well no 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 they took him to the urgent care. urgent care. They mm-hmm. said you may have had a stroke. You need to go to the ER. So he went from there to the ER, and the ER guy goes, no, you don't have a stroke. It's like blood buildup behind your eye. We'll set you up with an appointment with the ophthalmologist tomorrow. So I take him to the ophthalmologist the next right. day at 9 a.m. Thinking, okay, it's going to be a routine appointment. He's going to give him some medicine or whatever, eye drops. I don't know. Anyway, he goes, no, the dude has a detached, detached retina, retina. <laughs> yeah. and is in need of surgery today. Dun, like, dun, dun. Oh, man. And so we spent all day. Literally all day. Yes. It was eight something before we got out of there. Right. His his surgery was scheduled at one. And he didn't go. He went to, to pre-op at two. 
and didn't go into surgery until five. Gosh. I'm like, what are you people doing in here? The the doctor's back there playing solitaire. <laughs> I'll be with him as soon as I win this well, round. Part of it was this doctor just was prides himself in how much he can double book himself, I guess. <laughs> because when we got there early be young at buck. 9 a.m. when we got there, the lady at the desk says, well, he is in surgery right now, so it may be a little while. I'm like, the appointment was at 9. Like, did... Thank you for double booking yourself. Right, like, exactly. You scheduled these surgeries. So, what <laughs> so, was that? Yeah. So anyway, so it was a fun day, but it was good. I got to meet. I got to to be with Mike a lot, mm-hmm. and I heard every naval story you can possibly imagine. Uh, I took him back for a follow up appointment today, right, yeah. and I'm like, I guarantee you, everyone in the waiting room knew how to to run the boiler of a naval ship <laughs> by the time he got done. That's awesome. <laughs> it was so funny. And it, I'm not talking about small details. I mean, small details is what he was telling us. He, he gave you everything. Yes. It's not just stories. It's All right. Like, first thing you want to do. Yes. You never wanted to turn this valve before that. And then this guy comes <laughs> down and they're hazing him. And they're saying, I need a pail of steam. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't I don't I play along with him. Yeah. I get a rag and I put some steam in there and I put the rag over the pail. So anyway, I got all these funny little hazing stories that happened in the That's so funny. 60s or whenever it was he was there. Sure. So anyway, it was a fun But he's he's safe and sound back at home recovering. He is, he's recovering. Has to keep his face to the floor, like face down. Like six hours a day. Ugh. It's crazy. So that's so I don't hard. know if he can pull that off, but <laughs> but he's recovering. So I anyway, just put my fun. phone down on the floor and watch it the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Netflix it up. Yeah. That's about all you can do. Uh I had a good week. I went uh I went to school this week. And discovered like the school you work at, right? Yeah, like like the school I work at. And discovered that I have to rewrite the uh <laughs> curriculum for uh second through curriculum maps for second through seventh grade history you know what's funny about that fourth grade and seventh grade guess what they study solely (laughs) what texas yes i am going to teach texas history to fourth graders and seventh graders. <laughs> I'm going to have to tell them about how great their state is and how awesome it is. I really feel like this is God going, oh, yeah, sucker. You think Texas is that bad? Well, here you go. You get to teach it to little guys. So that's that's going to be my life next year. <laughs> Unless God intervenes. Lord, please. But uh, anyways, that's uh, that's what I did this week was rewrite curriculum. maps. Wow. pretty boring life. Well, I, I like Texas history. Of course you do. Yeah. You're from Texas. It's it's so cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go there. All right. Oh, yeah. We do enough of those type of things. Seriously. So, um, Are we ready for our topic? Are you ready to dive in? Where are you at? Uh, yeah. Let's do it. Okay. So, we were talking the other day 
And it was like, uh, what were we talking about that brought this up? I can't remember what we were talking about. I don't either. But, oh, it was uh, issues coming up with church churches. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, church staff, like what was happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there was some drama going on. Sure. And uh, So, anyway, I was like, well, um, you were like, we should just do a Theonauts on this. Yeah. And which is kind of cool because we've talked about this a lot. We have. And it's a very mm-hmm. interesting topic. And what's fun about this one is um, I believe there's no right answer. Just stay coming off from the top. Okay. I, uh, I just don't think that there's... I think there's some that are better models mm-hmm. and some that are more biblically accurate, but I don't think that there's a certain perfect right answer because you were dealing with imperfect people on Earth. Yes. And so that's the problem. And it's not like there weren't church problems even in the first century. Exactly. Like every... I mean, Santa Claus punched, uh, what's his name, in the face. So, <laughs> All right, Arius. Yeah, Arius. So um, so we're going to talk about church leadership, talking about the structure right. of the government of church. And um, I there are definitely examples... Mm-hmm. There are guidelines, there are suggestions, there are all kinds of stuff like mm-hmm. that that are given in Scripture. Um, one of the things that I have come to the conclusion of is that there aren't any stringent rules or commands around this stuff, per se. The, the, the Bible treats church leadership in a descriptive way. I mean, it's definitely talked about. Right. But it's not in a didactic way. Okay. So it's not given as imperative statements like, you shall have two pastors or two elders and five deacons. And I mean, there's, it doesn't give you, and this is how you appoint them. And this is how you, that's just not ever really given yeah. that way. So, uh, so what we're left with is, okay, well, how do we do this? Sure. And um, it, over the years, there have been tons of ways. That is that has happened. It didn't take long once government got involved in church, uh, in three or four hundred eighty, that the hierarchy began to really grow. You had bishops and then archbishops and then cardinals and right. I mean everything else. And then the pope. Yeah, and all this grew out of. I mean, you won't find any of those uh, after bishop. You won't find any of these terms. Like, in scripture. Right. So you're working outside of scripture at this point. And so I guess what we can do at this point is look back to church history mm-hmm. and the scriptures. And we can kind of compare and see what all's worked, what it hasn't worked, who does what different ways. And there are really, <clears throat> if you if you look at it closely, there are three major ways of doing church government. Today. So there's three political systems or three, three types of church polity in... Uh, in the church today, yeah, for the most part. and and they're all kind of derivative of one or the other. Maybe they won't follow exactly word for word what the other one does, but like for example, and and we've put names around them. Um, there's uh, this term episcopal. Mm-hmm. Now this doesn't necessarily mean it's the Episcopalian way of doing things. <laughs> it's just uh, the word episcopal comes from a Greek term episkopos, which means overseer or bishop. Um, so it's one of the Greek words that's used in Scripture, so it's a biblical thing. Right. Uh, so uh, the, uh, the Episcopal system, though, is a hierarchical, autocratic system 
meaning that selections are made from the top down. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bishops oversee multiple churches and appoint priests or elders in each who have local authority. So this is kind of the Catholic Actually, this is a Roman Catholic model. This is... From the top down, this was this was the basic. And the, the Episcopal Church does do this yes, as well. And that's why they're called Episcopal, not Catholic. Catholics are Episcopals without the term Episcopal because they were, they were the first church. So <laughs> Episcopals, they didn't want to be Catholic, but they still like the, the model of the church government, so they call themselves Episcopal. Um, and so basically you have the Roman Catholic Pope, right, mm-hmm. Who's in, who is the overseer of the church. Right. Under him are various different councils. Mm-hmm. But under him are various archbishop bishops, right? And it drops down to bishops or cardinals, priests, and drops down to priests. So if you want to be a, a young priest, let's say you uh, decide to become a priest, you would go to uh, preschool, right? Yeah, you would graduate from that preschool. And, yeah, preschool. Ha <laughs> 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 ha! We just admitted a joke. Where does a priest go to school? Preschool. Preschool. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> wow. Um, but the priest after he graduated, would get his assignment. It's not like he gets to go look at, you know, online for resumes of open churches wanting a priest. He would be assigned by a local uh, archbishop to assume a diocese. Right. And so he would be at that parish, and he would be in charge of that. So that's how that worked. Yeah, and so that's one major system, Mm -hmm. and there are many different churches that do that. Now, the... The thing about these these systems or this system is that that priest mm-hmm. has control over his church. Yes, rules over it. Right, as if so. There's one guy over a, a single guy over exactly a flock. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but he does answer to a higher hierarchy. Right, uh, up the chain. So if you don't like him, you can write to your bishop, bishop or archbishop. That's or right. So. Um, then the, the second style of church leadership that we see exercised is the Presbyterian style. And once again, this doesn't necessarily mean this is about the Presbyterian church, although the Presbyterian church does this. So the, the word Presbyterian is derived, once again, from a Greek word, presbyteros. So presbyteros means elder, and Mm -hmm. it's also one of the words commonly used in Scripture when we're talking about church leadership. So it is a biblical word. Um, So it is a hierarchical representative system, meaning that selections are made from within. Mm -hmm. Multiple elders are appointed from within and have local authority. So there's no guy up the chain saying that you guys need to do it like this. Like, the, that local congregation is completely autonomous in its construct. So that, and, and their leaders are chosen from within, promoted up, and it is generally done in plurality. Right. So you don't have a, uh, you don't have one guy. You don't have a dictator. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> Looking down on everybody. Sure. There's a board or a group of elders that do this. Um, So then the third style, which is largely derived from the fact that we live here in America. That's right. That's the way America does it. And that is congregational. 
Yeah. So with the uh, with the good old USA's advent or re-advent, <laughs> honestly, of the uh, um, the democratic democratic method. system. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, the church believe that they should do the same. Yeah. So the, the the congregational style of church leadership is a local democratic method where the congregational body has the local authority through majority votes. Mm-hmm. So these churches usually appoint a pastor to teach and lead, but authority itself lies within the congregational body. Or if the congregation wants to appoint a board of deacons, right? Quote unquote, then they can they can do that. Adhere to the deacons, but ultimate authority uh, lies in the the masses. Lies <laughs> is a, a mandate from the masses. Not some f- from some fossil aquatic, aquatic ceremony. ceremony. That's right. No. Yeah, ultimate church authority uh, derives in the, the church members themselves. Yeah. They take a vote. Let's so. say some moistened bink lobbed a scimitar at me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say be I, quiet. I went around claiming I told I, you, be quiet. <laughs> now you see the You're violence inherent in the system. Help, help, I'm being oppressed. Oh, Monty Python comes out. <laughs> it does, it droves. Okay, <laughs> anyways. So uh, this is actually the form of government that I grew up with. I don't know if you grew up with that nope. form. Were you Presbyterian? Presbyterian, mm-hmm. pretty much. Well, I tell you what, it was a little bit of both. We came from a small uh, sect Mm-hmm. of the Church of Christ, which did, um, didn't did really have a lot of elders in it. And so they were pretty much congregational. Right. They didn't appoint pastors to lead. Uh, they just kind of did everything themselves. Sure. Uh, but in general, most churches of Christ are Presbyterian-based uh, leadership structures sure. in that they do appoint elders from sure. within. And let's not... Uh our listeners don't get confused. He's not saying the Church of Christ are Presbyterians. No, Presbyterian as in the denomination, but that's where that the term derives yeah. from is simply a form of government. Right. A Presbyterian church is one that has plurality of right, elders right. leading it. So, anyways, Southern Baptist is a good example of a congregational yes, style. Yes, uh, and it was impossible to get anything done. <laughs> I mean, literally impossible, unless they were just lazy. Business meetings could take up to two hours, and they were hell for young men like me whenever I was a kid. Oh, my goodness. I could go through a coloring book like four times before that thing was done. One of my favorite business meetings ever was uh, the pastor wanted to remove this hideous-looking picture from the hallway of the church. (laughs) That someone's great aunt Edna drew by hand and painted by hand and donated to that church to hang as a pretty picture. It is a picture of the garden nose, the uh, Jordan River. And it's not a pretty picture. I'm sorry. It's not. So we were trying to modernize the church, and the pastor suggested, um, although he holds, it's called, I don't know if you ever heard of Robert's Rules of. Oh, Robert's Rules of Order. Yes. yes. We that, go by Robert's Rules of Order in the Southern Baptist Church. And so he was, he's he's a moderator. The pastor takes up the moderator position. So he has no vote, right? Oh, man. If he wants to vote on anything, he has to transfer moderator <laughs> duties to somebody else, sit down, and then he can vote. And his vote counts as one, just like everybody America. else. America. 
how dare you think you can run my church? I'll run you out. Anyways. <laughs> you know we're going to get all kinds of hate mail. Oh, seriously. But that is a serious problem, honestly. Because the pastor wanted to modernize the church, and he was making a wise decision on moving that someplace else where it was less of an eyesore, and when mm. new people walked in, that's not the first thing I thought or saw and thought, 1960, here we come. <laughs> Which is exactly what people thought when they walked in and saw that picture. But you know what happened? I vote that we table this discussion, and it never got brought back up in the five years that I was wow. there. Wow. Well, I don't think Robert's rules of order existed in the first century. Uh, <laughs> really? Are you sure about that, David? Whoa, be careful now. Um, Stepping I don't know. on some I... Southern Baptist pose. <laughs> no offense, guys. Uh, I will say that uh, of these three, we at, at The Way have kind of leaned toward the Presbyterian style of Amen to that. leading through plurality yes, um, and not being accountable to someone up a higher arc hierarchy um other than god that's right i'm not accountable to anybody but yeah. god <laughs> <laughs> oh man okay only well, god can judge me if okay. you knew what you were saying so let's move on a little bit okay right. so we got these three th- these three forms of government yes that are pretty much most churches fall in some way under each one of these three right now the thing i wanted to, to talk about before is like um about the legal the legality of this yes okay so um Everyone wants to say, well, is that the biblical? Is that the biblical? Does it follow uh, after the pattern? Is that Yeah, is that according to the pattern? <laughs> I love that. Well, the, the pattern is very all over the place. Oh, yeah. Because here's the questions that come up. I'm just going to throw some out here. Let's okay. assume, okay, because I, I, I made the bold statement that the Bible is not didactic on its church leadership. <gasps> it is on, it is descriptive. That's right. It gives us examples. They're vague examples. Mm-hmm. We don't have all the ins and outs. We don't know how to handle all kinds. Because someone to ask you some questions. If this is completely legalistic and we need to go to the Bible to find out exactly what we are supposed to do, when should we appoint leaders in our church? Oh, the Bible doesn't say. No. Nowhere. No, it doesn't really say that. Well, when there's some in need, I guess you got to pick out some deacons. Who determines when? Who's the guy who gets to pick that time? Or wait a minute. Must leadership even be selected? Hmm. Are there churches without leadership in the New Testament and therefore gives us an example to follow? Uh, No. We don't really know. What if if, uh, church leaders aren't? Selected. What do you? Where do you? Where do you go from there? Uh, how many leaders must be chosen? Ooh, like, twelve, right? <laughs> Obviously, yeah. It's like uh, well, every one of them that qualifies. That's right. What if that's everybody in the congregation? You're all <laughs> leaders. <laughs> you're congregational again. <laughs> um, who chooses them? Who gets that role? Hmm. Who gets to be the guy choosing? Uh, how recent it okay this is going back to some of the qualifications that are talked sure. about later. we'll talk about some of those uh, but how recent is a recent convert because it does say an that's elder a good question cannot be a recent convert that's right okay how recent is recent it's a very <laughs> I was licensed a year after ever I was uh, saved really well, a year after I so six months is recent I guess so <laughs> no well I don't okay would you call it rededicated but because it was the second time I was baptized. So. Oh, so you weren't 11? No. Whenever you I were. was 18. <laughs> I was 19 when I was licensed. Uh, okay, so th- 
these are just things that aren't just they're, they're not these details aren't covered sure like the bible doesn't address all these details if a, if if they're selected by the congregation so if you're going with a presbyterian method then by what means of selection huh. drawing lots casting votes I mean, I really wish we would draw lots again. Oh, but for leaders? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I can think of some. Never oh, mind. Oh, my. <laughs> okay, so how many votes are needed? <laughs> if this is, a, if, if, where's the Bible tell us how many votes are needed uh, in order for this to uh, What about objections? What if somebody says, well, he's not my pastor? I didn't vote for I him. didn't vote for you. <laughs> you don't vote for kings. Um, What is the initiation practice? Ceremony? Fasting? Laying on of hands? Just a simple announcement? Newsletter? Bulletin? I mean, where do you... I mean, we can take this... What's the term? Huh. Mm, Four years. Never given. Wait, that's a precedent. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. It's a lifetime appointment? (laughs) It doesn't even really say that in the Bible. Nope. Like, go really try to find the answer to these questions. It's not didactic. It doesn't give us. These are all questions that will come up. That's right. When you start the process of putting leadership in a church. So where do you get all this detail? That's why we have to, I think God is expecting us to use our brains and to use good discernment. Makes sense, huh? And to actually follow maybe some examples, but not necessarily make a law out of all this. Um, So... You know, we were thinking about, and I guess a lot of this is coming from our history of, because we planted a church. Right. And we had to decide these things. We had to think about these things. That's right. And so one of the things that came up was, how do we decide which one of these, uh, obviously we're not going to call Episcopalian or Episcopal because, you know, we're doing our own thing. Sure. <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, so here's some of the things that we kind of came up with. Uh, we should follow examples of how Jesus, apostles, and disciples appointed leaders in the church. That's the best we can do sure. if we're going to try and do that. Uh, follow guidelines that are taught. There are definite guidelines given to Titus and Timothy on what they should look for in a leader. So what are the what what what, what are uh, the attributes right. of these leaders? Uh, and then we thought, well, let's look at our personal experiences and let's draw from the different leadership styles we've been a part of. You and I both came from different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. We had different experiences and different pros, different cons in each one of those. Right. So that lends value into decision-making process. Um, so let's look at some of these. Let's look at some examples. Okay. Um, I'm going to look at Luke 12. No, sorry, Luke 6. Uh, looking at verse 12 through 13. You gonna be my, You going to be my scripture reader? I am. 12 through... 12 through 13. Luke 6, 12 through 13. I hit an equal sign instead of through. Sorry. All right, so... Hold on, I have to pull it up. We're very organized. Yeah, obviously. I didn't have it pulled up, and I don't know why I didn't. But that's all right. (laughs) I knew you were going (laughs) to... Luke 6, 12 through 13. Here we go. In those days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he came. He called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles. Hmm. Okay, so looking at examples, we see Jesus. Jesus is an example of how to choose leaders in his group. 
right. of disciples. Uh, he calls them apostles. Um, he didn't tell them, all right, guys, we need you all to cast a vote. Right. <laughs> Jesus himself picked them. Now, there, I know the argument. None of us are Jesus. None of us have his insight. And so that might, you know, put a damper on your decision to follow Jesus. But one of those 12 betrayed him, so hey. That's true. (laughs) So maybe it's not necessarily about the discernment as much as it was about um, about the qualifications they had at the given time. I'm sure Jesus knew. Oh, sure. You know, constantly he was telling them, there is the devil among you, et cetera, et cetera. One of you is going to betray me, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, okay, well, let's look to uh, Acts 2. We talked about this in the last uh, passage, in the last um, um, podcast. But we were talking about, um, but it's where we they name deacons. We'll call them deacons. The, the scriptures don't call them deacons. Diaconos. Yeah. So this is Acts 2, verses 2 through 3. When the day of Pentecost, uh, Acts 2, verses 2 through 3. No, sorry, Acts 6. Yeah, there you go. Verses this two is three. the Pentecost. Yeah, no, no. Story, Acts 6, verses 2 through 3. We can edit that part out. Yeah, no. <laughs> Just playing. Okay, anyways. All right. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick for yourselves, uh, pick from among you, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, Full of the spirit and of wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty. Okay, so we've got the naming of these guys. Right. And it was done not necessarily by um by the apostles. Or by or by yeah, or by the apostles or by Jesus actually uh assigning them or you know, appointing them. Right. This was done through some sort of congregational election. Ooh. So the argument sort. could be made for congregationalism. Could be. Could on be. this particular passage. That's right. So and uh for deacons. one of them we didn't mention here is also Acts one where they get Matthias. Right. And they, they cast de- lots and, and they decide Matthias is gonna be the next apostle. Which is a good question <laughs> about apostles, by the way. You asked before we started the show mm-hmm. about apostleship. Yeah, I just want to know your opinion of it. Yeah, which is a really interesting thought. We should we should talk about apostles sometime. Yeah. Anyways, okay. that's, that's a nugget to yeah. take with you. Okay, yeah. So y'all study up on that, and yeah. y'all tell us what you think an apostle is. Exactly. Okay, so um, so we have... These aren't necessarily contradictory. Mm-mm. We just have two different styles of decision-making that happens here. Right. Okay, so uh, we continue to go through two examples. Acts 14. You got that pulled up? I'm pulling it up as we speak. Acts 14, verse... 23. X 14, mm-hmm. verses 23. This six. is referring to, um, I believe, Paul and Silas at the time. They were on a missionary trip. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Okay, so the elders are being appointed by... Paul. The traveling evangelist, Paul, and um, I guess that was Silas that was with him in Acts 14? Mm-hmm. No, 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 that would have been uh, Barnabas. Barnabas. So, um, so <clears throat> yeah, the rundown of that is Paul actually plants the church, mm-hmm. then goes back and appoints 
Leaders. Leaders in each one of those. So After they've had a chance to mellow a little. Yeah, hold on and for I, a and second. And he had a chance to heal because so, he got stoned. So this one would be, <laughs> yeah, this one would be almost uh, Episcopal. Almost. And it's it could be. rendering. Right. If you look at uh, at an apostle being a higher hierarchy Which than the local I, congregation. Which I kind of do, mm-hmm. don't you? Yeah, yeah. So that makes that. sense. So this has an Episcopalian flair. So there's a. So we see an example of. There's a point for one. the the apopa. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so jump over to Titus. Okay. Uh, Titus is a letter written to Titus, who was one of Paul's traveling companions, um, about work that needed to be done in Crete. So apparently, Paul and Titus were working on the island of Crete. Right. And Paul has to leave for some reason, and he writes this letter to Titus. So what does it say in the first chapter, verse 5? It says this. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Okay, so... He's basically saying, here's why I left you there and why I didn't take you with me. There was work left to do. And what was that work? To appoint elders. To appoint elders. So once again, we have this structure of the traveling evangelist. Titus isn't an apostle, though. Mm. Titus is a traveling evangelist. He's simply traveling with Paul. So, um, hmm. Another example here of the evangelist actually doing the appointing from outside in these congregations. Now, I also did a little research on this. According to uh, some writings I've seen, Crete had approximately 100 cities on it at this time frame. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot of work. That's a ton of work for, for Titus. <laughs> for one guy. Man. So, uh, so yeah. That's pretty. So it looks like the method of this missionary trips, these missionary trips, was to plant churches, and then to cycle back through them, and establish leadership. Right. Like he's almost giving them this little burn-in time to see who stays, who goes, that sort of thing, and then comes in later. Who's going to be faithful? <laughs> who steps out as a faithful person? Right. Who who naturally assumes leadership? And whenever you continue to read Titus and you start getting all of these qualifications that are spelled out, that's a lot of work to do in each place too, because you're like having to to really ascertain these people. You you have to get to know the people. Right. And uh, so anyway, uh, the last example that I've got is in Acts twenty. This is whenever <clears throat> Paul is getting ready to. Uh, to leave Ephesus and head back to Jerusalem. I think we once again mentioned this passage last week, but Acts 20, verses 16 and 17. Okay, it says this. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Now, from Miletus... He sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. So you have here this um, situation where there were um, elders in the church of 
Ephesus. Elders. This is yes. a plurality of leadership. True. Which is very interesting. That almost sounds like the uh, Presbyterian model. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have that going on. Uh, so there are some observations that we can make in these and other uh, places. Like, for example, Jesus appointed a group of men to lead, like apostles. Right. He didn't just choose one guy. He did choose a plurality of leaders. Uh, the apostles also chose groups of men to lead both in reference to the ministers in Acts 6, whether those are deacons or ministers, however you want to call them. There was a plurality. He said, name seven of them. He gave them a number. Mm-hmm. Uh, and elders, uh, which is always used in a plural sense every time you read that word in right. the scripture. Um, so leaders are mostly chosen through Acts, uh, except for Acts 6 and Acts 2 can imply that there was some sort of election from within. Right. But it looks like most of the time, leaders are appointed by somebody uh, other than the other than the congregation themselves. Yeah, it makes sense. And another observation we could make is that every time we read of one of these appointments occurring, there is prayer tied to it. It's made in conjunction with prayer and sometimes laying on of hands. See, that's kind of a big deal. Kind of. It's almost like an ordination. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Huh. That's how it works. Okay, so we see examples. We see observations uh, of those examples, but we also have actual guidelines. And these guidelines were given to Titus and to Timothy both on this is the type of, type of person you look for in a leader. Yeah, so <clears throat> what I wanted to really bring out of this study was the okay. fact that it doesn't really matter about your government uh, ideology so right. much. There are somewhat of examples <clears throat> of all the systems that we've talked about. They're all in there, and they can all work, and they can all work good, and they can all work bad, too. They can all be messed up. But that really hinges on one very important thing. It matters so much more. In fact, so much more that that Paul gave it to us twice, that God gave, us to it, uh, gave it to us twice in his word. And that's what type of leaders mm-hmm. you should be looking for. Mm-hmm. Not what, what type of leadership, in other words, what type of right. government you should have, but what type of leaders you should actually be looking for. And this yes. is a very important thing. Yes. <clears throat> so let's start in Titus, okay. uh, first chapter again. Yes. Because he picks up right where we left off in, right. in verse 6 through 9. He gives us a little example of how these, these elders should look. These overseers. Okay. It says this. Titus 1, 6 through 9. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable. Wow. Hospitable. Hospitable. A lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Mm. Okay, so good instruction here. Um... One of the things that I've seen from experience is that um, 
a lot of times we can beat these guidelines up. Sure. I mean, I could take this passage and disqualify anybody. Oh, you could. <laughs> and I'd like to sometimes. <laughs> honestly. Yeah. I mean, you can. You can you can look at it and go, "Oh, well, you you just right there you became angry." And it says right here that they should not become angry quickly. Mhm. Or that's selfish. It says right here you should not be selfish. Your grown-up child who lives in Detroit is now an atheist. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that one, I, actually, I think that one is in that. I, I want to talk to that a little bit more. I think it's in Timothy. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. We'll get to that one in a minute because okay. I, I definitely want to talk about that one. Uh, but anyway, you've got all these, these things here that uh, it refers to them as God's managers. I'm reading from the NCV here. It's kind of cool. Uh, as God's managers, overseers must not be guilty of doing wrong. Okay. That's a broad statement. Oh, yeah, it is. And it can be twisted into anything. Sure. So who among us is not guilty of doing wrong? Uh, <laughs> the same number of people that threw the stone at the woman caught in adultery. That's right. None of us. That's right. Like, I mean, there's none. No, so this is a, a broader term referring to something that is reputable. Mm-hmm. So if you see... Like, this person has a reputation of being uh, a wrongdoer. Right. Then that's a red flag. Um, so, being selfish, becoming angry quickly, they must not drink too much wine. Um, I was reading uh, different interpretations and, and, and uh, ideas on this, and uh, one of the most recent ones I looked at was talking about they viewed this actually as being alcoholism. Like someone who just gets drunk all the time, right, does not qualify. Uh, but you know, who's to say too? How much is too much? Hmm. It just says too much. I mean, just is these are some vagaries. Anytime the scriptures introduce a bunch of vagaries like this, you have to take it that God is wanting you to be discerning, right? Okay, great example. One of the commandments is. Observe the Sabbath to keep it holy and do no work in it. Right? Well, what does that mean? When it really boils down to it, I'm following a law. How do I obey that law? Is it, um, okay, as the Mishnah began to explain, if I'm a carpenter and I carry my hammer out of my house, I'm breaking the command. But if I'm a seamstress and I bring a hammer out of my house, I'm not necessarily breaking the command. (laughs) So you see, it, it's all, we can break, we can take it and sure. beat it up and make it mean all kinds of stuff. But these are generalities that he's addressing here. Um, he's trying to get at a character of a man. Right. Um, and the character is a spirit-led character. That's mm-hmm. what he's trying to show you. Yeah. And so what this person and what we should be looking for, what Titus should be looking for and what we should be looking for is somebody who is like these things. He's describing the ideal leader. Mm-hmm. Somebody who is faithful to God. And that's that's the whole point. Yes. Now, he may, you know, have screwed up in the past and gotten divorced. Ooh, that's a big one. Yeah. Right? A lot, of, a lot of people say... Husband of one wife, it says right there. Exactly. And now he has two or something, you know. <laughs> the meaning is one woman man. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the idea: is that you're a 
you're a faithful husband. Mm-hmm. That's that's what that means, right? And so you're looking for this characteristic in these people. Oh, and here's the thing: if you if you get too crazy with this, oh. you'll disqualify every single person. That's right, and you will have no leadership. Yep. So you have to be discerning. Okay, so if the idea is you need leaders, okay, and you've got this group of guys to deal with, you got to figure out which one of these guys is going to be as close to this as possible right. that he's going to be able to lead this group of people in a godly way. Yeah. And, you know, let's make sure that there's at least two or three or whatever so that there's not some dictatorship happening here. Right. And and so, but anyway, there's just um, all this stuff. He's about being self controlled, about being trustworthy, and I mean, these are just character traits. Uh, it's funny you can actually break all these down into into categories. I mean, there's moral uh, things mentioned here. He's a moral person. Mm-hmm. There are social issues here, which means you know he's a bra- is he a brawler or is he not a brawler? Is he a striker in the King James? What does that mean? That's a guy who wants to hit somebody That's all the right. time. Yeah. <laughs> Covetousness. I mean, these are these are social behaviors. Yeah. He, he, how does he behave himself socially? <clears throat> how does he behave himself domestically? Like, there's a lot of things that talk about how you how he takes care of his home. There's actually one passage. I think it's in, in one of the Timothy uh, readings that says that if he can't take care of his home, how can he take care of God's? And and so there's reasons why these things are here. Right. Uh, domestic. There's also and there's spiritual. Uh, qualifications. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but let's let's move on a little bit. Let's jump over to First Timothy. Okay. And let's look at some of the guidelines that are given to us there in First Timothy uh, three, verse two through seven. You'll see a lot of similarities. Oh yeah. And what he told Timothy or Titus is the same writer. So you would think it seems like almost the same passage when we read it. Mm-hmm. Okay, First Timothy three, three verse two through seven. Okay, therefore an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, but a lover of not a lover of money. Sorry, he must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Okay, so uh, anything different here that we pick up on? He does say this passage I talked about before, if he can't take care of his own household. Yeah, it's a little bit broader mm-hmm. um, because he goes into death with these these question, these rhetorical questions. Um, the recent convert is a different thing. Yeah. Um, he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. So the question then becomes how recent, right? Yeah. Of a well, convert. It sounds like the reason is more important than the recentness. Yes. The reason is so that he won't be puffed up. So in other words, hey, I'm 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 a newbie. I'm good at this and stuff. And they just made me yeah. I'm a natural. I'm, I'm a natural. They just made me leader of this thing. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me. Look at me. Been in the church a week and already the pastor. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow, y'all are so lucky you have me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Not, just saying. Mom, it smells of rich mahogany and Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay, so we have um, we have this. Where's this passage that I wanted to talk about? I okay. don't know. Um, I lost on, it hang too. On, hang on, hang on. Where are your notes? Where's your outline? Come on, man. Well, you know, Dead I air. didn't think I wrote that down in my. Okay, well the the point is the the passage says that he shall have faithful children. Yes. Not ruly or riotous. Right. I think I'm ready. I'm. The King James is the one I quote, right? Because yeah. I grew up on that. So, um, so this idea they shall be faithful is not the traditional Greek word pistis, which means godly faith, like belief in God. That's not what it's saying. When it says that his children shall be faithful, the word is is implying. Obedient. Obedient. That's right. So what it's saying is that the children don't have to be baptized believers. What it's saying is the children have to be subjective to him. Mm-hmm. Because it says not riotous or unruly. Like The point is not faithful to God so much as faithful to, to him. him. Is he controlling his family? That's right. That's really all that, that passage is referring to. In a nutshell. And again, we can take this. And rip apart any pastor, anybody. Yeah. So, the the in the grand scheme of things, I mean, it makes it very hard for me to be able to say. I mean, someone has to blatantly be disreputable to be removed from office, in my opinion. I mean, they really have to transgress in these areas mm-hmm. in a or more than one of them, or you know something. It's it's uh, because if we are too harsh on them, then Everyone's lying about their real position, and and everybody is. I mean, you're only seeing uh, what the pastor wants you to see <laughs> about himself, and there's an act that happens here. When really, all these passages are saying is, is this guy a good husband? Is he a good dad? I mean, in general, that's really. Is he good for his home? If he's good for his home, if he can if he can lead his home then we'll trust him to lead right. God's home. And so anyway, I, th- I think that's, that's a good rule of, sure. of thumb to look at. Um, so 1 Timothy 5, verse 17 to 19, gives us some more uh, guidelines about how elders should function. It says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching, for the Scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain and the laborer deserves his wages and do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. So, you know, it's about submitting to authority of them and being, and being willing to, to pay them for their services if that's what is required. Um, yeah, 1 Peter 5, verse 1 through 5 also says um, some more guidelines about leading. Uh, this is actually one of my favorite passages about eldership. Um, it says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. <clears throat> Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion but willingly, 
as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those that are in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfaded crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Amen. So I love that passage. That passage is one of, as a shepherd of our flock. That's our call. This is like the passage I go, I keep zeroing in on. This, I don't keep going back to the list of qualifications. I keep going back to this because this is exhorting us. This is it tell- reminds us of our purpose. Yes, the reason is that, mission that God has called us into this. Yes, this per, uh, this. You know, we we chose to place. use the term in our congregation, shepherds over pastor or elder. They all mean the same. But because this is one reason is because of this passage. Mm -hmm. Because this passage says that you should shepherd Shepherd the the flock. flock. That's what you're supposed to be doing. And when you look at how shepherds act, well, first off, look at the shepherd, the chief shepherd it talks about here. Who's that? Jesus. Jesus. He's our pattern. He's what we are supposed to be patterning after. And we look at the love and how he did. He led by example. Yeah. He didn't lead through dictatorship. He didn't lead by ultimate authority. Uh, like it, it, it was not robbery for him to be God, right? That's what Paul told yeah. uh, the Philippians. It was like it wasn't robbery for him to be called God, but instead he humbled himself. The perfect picture of that, besides the cross, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is when Jesus takes off his outer garment, gets down on his knees, and starts washing washing his feet. Yeah, that's a great picture, and that's what you want in in a shepherd, in a leader. Yeah, is one that's willing to get down and get dirty, mm-hmm. and work with his flock in their struggle, yes. and be ever present and loving through it. And that's the picture of uh, near perfect leadership. Yeah, when you get your hands dirty, I, look at Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I love that that picture. When Jesus sticks his hand in the dirt, things start happening every time. I mean, like the woman caught in adultery. What does he do? Bends down, starts writing in the dirt. Mm-hmm. You know it's coming. He's about to take care of some dirt. <laughs> and it, it, right after that, next chapter. Man born blind. Guy's blind. What does he do? He spits in the dirt, makes some mud, and slaps it on his eyes. Yes. Healing is coming when, when, when Jesus sticks his hand in the dirt. So when he puts his hand in that dirty water to wash your feet, I mean, it's coming, right? That's right. And, and so that's the, that's the kind of example that we need to be as, as leaders. Uh, it's not about position. It's not about authority. It's not, about, it's not a job. It's not just a job. It's not, ju- it, it, it is not... I guess one of the things that bugs me about a lot of modern church is that it's a career. Yeah. That it is a career ladder that yeah. takes you from one flock to another. You start an- with a smaller church, another. then you get your master's, your MDiv, and yeah. then you move on and you get a bigger church... And then you get your doctorate. Oh man, you're you're a part. Of the yeah. lead. And then you get your biggest church. Then you become the senior pastor. But, and you don't really have to do as much, right? But if you're really good at talking, you can become a superstar, right? Mm-hmm. And you can get your own, you know, show and like <laughs> write, a, go, multi, write a book. Or two. Yeah, multi-site church. I wrote a book. Yeah, so. I, I used to have that button here. But, oh, there it is. <laughs> I wrote a book. So. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect example of that. <laughs> There's never been a better time to use that stinger than right then. Wow. Oh, my what goodness. Was, what was that? What? Oh, my guitar fell. You knocked your guitar down? 
Man, I tell you what, it's just not the day for me. I'm spilling my drinks. I'm knocking the guitar over. I don't know, man. I might have to go back to the hospital. (laughs) Serious? Oh, man. But so anyway, um, so let's look at some observations of these. Some what? Observations. Okay. Observations. Observations. Okay. Of these examples, these scriptures that that we looked at. You know, it it talks about blameless, being Mm -hmm. above reproach. But that doesn't mean sinless. Let's not confuse the two. Uh, and that's part of the problem with getting too crazy about these qualifications. That's right. It means good reputation is what it means. Um, most of the descriptors are simply describing a man of high moral standards and a good father to his children. An overseer's responsibility is to care for the church, much like a father does a household. Overseers may be co- compensated for their work. We see that. There's terms of like elder, overseer, pastor, presbyter. All these are interchangeable words. They come from the same Greek word. Sure. Uh, overseers are called shepherds are called to be shepherds over the flock, not dictators, not masters, not bosses. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a large difference between a boss and a leader. And uh, so, and I think that, you know, we've kind of talked about this throughout the show, but we've had experiences. That's the third way we kind of determine how we're going to, sure. how we're going to structure our you know, church, leadership church leadership is where have we seen it work and where have we seen it not work? And I think we were blessed with a great opportunity mm-hmm. To actually employ uh, some strategies based on our experiences. That's right. And 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 we've been you know blessed enough to be able to have the opportunity to nip some of that in the bud and to say, okay, we're not going to go down this path because we've seen it in bad. Right. <laughs> and so, um, so you know, where we were, we had, we decided to appoint rather than to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, we appointed multiple overseers with equal authority. Uh, we appointed from within, um, as we do not recognize leadership beyond the local authority, other than that of the chief she- chief shepherd who was mentioned there in First Peter, right? Who is Jesus, Jesus. Christ? Um, we wear the functional term shepherd simply because it's a synonymous term that car- that doesn't carry a lot of baggage, right? A lot. Uh, some of the other terms carry a lot of baggage. They do, yeah. The word pastor, yes, it's a scriptural word. I mean, I really yeah. want to be bishop, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Bishop. Potentate. Bishop I was Jeremiah Yeah, I was I was really shooting for potentate. <laughs> um so anyway, that's kind of how Friar. <laughs> Friar. <laughs> what is that anyway? I, a monk, right? Yeah. Well, friars were after the fraternal order of uh Saint Francis of Assisi. Oh, oh that's right. A different um different school that's right. of Monks. Yeah. It, uh, what are they called? Oh, whatever. We're getting it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of our study on on leadership. Yeah. So the bottom line is, th- is there's not just one way to do this. So don't think that we were trying to say that. That's right. But and you you've got to you know you got to look at it and decide which one's best for you. We really like the the uh, presbyters model more than mm-hmm. any other. We believe that that's what God was calling us to do, um, and it. And it's awesome because we have a plurality plurality of leadership yeah. where we're all held accountable to each other, right? Which is great. Right. And we love each other, and uh, we meet together and pray weekly, which is epic. And yes, I think and, that's a big thing. Yeah, and discuss what you know what needs to happen in God's church, and uh, and and God's blessed it, you know. But beyond that, the most important thing to the takeaway from this would be look at your leadership. 
are they are they the picture of a of a Christ-like leader? Yeah. That's the message. Is it a picture of a family or a flock or right. you know that sort of thing? Sure. So Anyways. All right. So uh, do you have some news for us? Yeah, we're going to start out with a really interesting one. That has nothing to do and with now Jesus. the news. Nothing. But it's hilarious. And I had to pull it out because it's just so funny to me. All right, go for it. Uh, okay, hold on. Let me pull it up. Okay. Michael Phelps will usher in the peak of humanity by racing a shark during Shark Week. Yes! <laughs> I'm telling you that's happening. I love it. The Discovery Channel long ago stopped caring about naive notions like science, reasonable <laughs> programming, and discovery, and has instead embraced a much more notable venture, making Shark, shark Week racing. as insane as possible. In recent years, they've aired fake documentaries about mer people and prehistoric beasts. I liked the mer people. Oh, uh, that creeped me out. <laughs> documentary. I thought it was good. And this year, they are once again raising the bar on their programming. On July 23rd, Olympic legend Michael Phelps is going to race a great white shark. Wow. Here's a paragraph from the Discovery's promotional release. They are one of the fastest and most efficient predators on the planet, sharks. (laughs) He, He is our greatest champion to ever get in the water. Michael Phelps, 39, world records and 23 Olympic golds. But he has one competition left to win, an event so monumental that no one has ever attempted it before. Dun, dun, dun. The world's most danger, uh, decorated athlete takes on the ocean's most efficient predator. There's no way. He Phelps will versus Shark. The race is on. That's not even a competition. I think Phelps will win. Oh, really? Yeah, he's fast, man. Have you ever seen him swim? Uh, yeah, I've seen him swim. But He might be the embodiment of that <laughs> Mer People documentary that you're talking about. He's amazing. Yeah, but we're talking about an aquatic animal. Yes. I'm pretty sure Phelps is an aquatic animal. Okay. He might as well have I'm, gills. I'm, I'm tuning in. I mean, I want to see I'm, I'm going to watch it, too. I, I got to know. <laughs> It's crazy. <laughs> All right. In other news, a man has been given a death sentence for blasphemy on Facebook. Really? 30-year-old Pakistan-based man named Tamor Raza has been condemned to death for making derogatory comments about Muhammad on Facebook. This is believed to be the first official death sentence given because of something that happened on social media. Blasphemy is taken very serious in Pakistan and was even called an unpardonable offense by the Prime Minister of Pakistan, Nawaz Sharif. Pakistani officials have been cracking down on social media uh, dissent in recent years and even turning a blind eye to mob violence against alleged uh, perpetrators of blasphemy. Um, wow, that's crazy. Human rights lawyers are extremely concerned about Pakistan's new crackdown, and it has even more terrifying than you might think. There is no punishment for falsely accusing someone of blasphemy, and Pakistani courts sometimes have what Sherup Isis, a, law- a lawyer of Human Rights Watch in Pakistan, called a lack of orientation with technology. This means that it's possible to even say uh, in easy to accuse someone of blasphemy out of a personal vendetta. Isn't that crazy? Wow. So he's going to be... So, yeah. He's a citizen on death row because he said bad things about... On social Muhammad media. Muhammad on social media. Got to watch what you say on Facebook. But, hey, you know, Christians, they're the ones that are crazy, right? Right. 
Anyway. <laughs> well, some of them are. We didn't condemn Family Guy whenever they <laughs> made that crazy picture of Jesus on the okay. Well, no. No. The Southern Baptist Convention has formally denounced the alt-right. They did that by vote? Yes. They vote for everything. America. America. After a truly wild 24 hours, or at least wild by the standards of a Southern Baptist Resolution Committee meeting, the Southern Baptist Convention has circled the wagons and appears to be more uh, or less on the same page regarding the noxious, espoused beliefs of the alt-right. After initially declining to, uh, to move a resolution to denounce the alt-right and white supremacy out of committee, a public outcry convinced the SBC to call a special session where an edited version was passed and brought to, to a vote, which went through with flying colors and was apparently met with a standing ovation. The new resolution was largely similar to the first proposal, but omitted a few references to the biblical passage of Genesis uh, that's been ripped out of context in the past to support white supremacy. I saw people identifying them, themselves as Southern Baptists and members of the alt-right, uh, so this is horrifying to me. The resolution's author, Reverend Dwight McKenzie, told the Washington Post, I wanted the Southern Baptist Convention to make it very clear we have no relationship to them. Which wow. is good. Proud of them. Good job, Southern Baptist. So wait a minute. So this white supremacist thing, that was a part of their charter already? Like, I mean, that was... Are they shooting down something that was already there? No, but they're just saying that they don't align themselves with any white supremacist belief, and in fact, they condemn white supremacists. Okay. That's what they were saying. But we don't want the Irish. Because we have, yeah, anything <laughs> with the Irish, no. <laughs> uh, I think their goal was, because there's there are a lot of people that identify as Southern Baptists in the South. Oh, as racists. That are also racist. Yeah. And so they've been fighting for that. And you know what, Southern Baptists, denomination yeah. go look at its roots doesn't have a very clear good history yeah. there america america faced with declining numbers southern baptists focused on evangelism this was sent to me from uh good old saint michael yeah yeah Faced with continuing declines in membership and baptism, Southern Baptist Convention President Steve Gaines implored delegates to the denomination's yearly meeting to turn to God and put their emphasis on evangelism. I want to encourage you to be a soul winner. I want to encourage you to be evangelistic, said Gaines, who plans to appoint a task force to more effectively personalize evangelism. Gaines, a Memphis, Tennessee pastor and easily uh, who easily won re-election Tuesday, as president of the Southern Baptist Convention, said he would emphasize spreading the gospel in his second one-year term. The SBC, the nation's largest Protestant denomination with 15.2 million members, has lost members for 10 years in a row and has baptized fewer people, people nine out of the last 10 years. So it's, it's a little I irony in the fact that these stories are happening in conjunction with our conversation. Today. It is, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, so because now you get to see a look into congregational. The convention's going on right now, so oh, there's okay. a lot of different stories coming out. Uh, one of them that I didn't pull up, Greg Laurie from uh, Harvest, Harvest yeah. um, has aligned his church with the Southern Baptist a new Denomination. Beginning. That's right. It's a new beginning for him. So they're starting to work a new beginning. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> All right. Last but not least, good old Bernie Sanders up on the chopping block. Bernie. Yep. <clears throat> For uh, hiring that guy to... Uh, oh, never mind. Sorry. Uh, no. 
okay, so Larcia Hawkins came up in a Senate confirmation hearing for a new Trump administration <laughs> on, nominee. Uh, Russell Voigt, President Donald Trump's pick for de- deputy director of the office of manager of budget, was repeatedly challenged by Bern- Bernie Sanders for his Christian convictions and specifically quoted Voigt's discouragement with Hawkins' positions. Sanders basically asked him this. He said, so I saw an article you posted where you said that the only way to, to salvation is through Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. And Muslims and Buddhists aren't going to heaven when they die because they don't believe in Jesus. Is that true? And so Voight... I denounce you! A couple times said, well, I'm a Christian, and that's what I believe. And finally, Bernie Sanders said that it was hate speech, Yeah, that it was was wrong, (laughs) and... uh, and that it was it was not homophobic but Islamophobic. Right. Islamophobic. Mm-hmm. Sorry, there's so many phobics being thrown. Yeah, I get them confused. And uh, and so for that reason, uh, Bernie Sanders would be not voting or voting nay in favor of Voight because he was Islamophobe because of his tenets of Christianity, which is very interesting. Bernie Sanders, considering that most of the other congressional leaders. Right, that are sit around you are practicing Christians who uphold that. Basically, what makes you a Christian is your affirmed belief in that Jesus Christ is the only way yeah. to salvation. So no one comes to the Father but by me. Bravo, so, Bernie. Yeah, Good job, easy. buddy. That was just ignorance on his part. I understand you're a Christian, but do you believe this? Well, that's not a that Christian belief. <laughs> oh, Bernie. Yeah. I don't know about all these Christians. I just want free health care. <laughs> And free college tuition. I like your Bernie. Do you like it? Yeah, a lot. (laughs) Listen here, Mr. Member. I didn't get fired from a million different jobs and never work a day in my life to not sit here today. (laughs) I'm Bernie Sanders and I'm way old. Anyways, that's Bernie. Thanks. (laughs) So, is that all you got? I'm done. Oh man, no, no Tardis or I quit. Anything yeah. else? Uh, there was very little Pope news and nothing in the Tardis today. Oh okay. Well, I don't have any feedback or anything that's go around. Well, you know what? Let's make this an early one and just get out of here. Yeah. I, I mean, we botched it enough. Yeah. <laughs> you want to hit the stinger? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I'm enjoying the music. Yeah, I guess. Go. Do it, Battlestar Galacticus. The Theonauts. Babylon 5ES. Are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network using new media and social networking to go in all the world and to proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gcdnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, stay up to date with all our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema and the Secret Fire podcast. Oh, uh-huh. Visit our website at theonautspodcast.com for show notes and outlines. And listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Our favorite podcast catcher. And don't forget to tune in again. Oh, I mean, to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. <laughs> that was so messed up. <laughs> there are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on the voicemail line at 972 
We have the greatest Twitter. I mean, the best Twitter ever. It's called at Theonautical. I don't think you could ever get better than this. Like us on Facebook at, you know, the Facebook.com slash Theonauts. <laughs> kind of a big deal. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> if you like us and want even more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at Patreon.com slash Theonauts. Where'd the music go? Your patronage helps... In our expenses, like hosting fees and equipment costs. You had to restart that. I did. That's Is the this first Babylon time I did. 5 or. Uh... No, no, no. It's Battlestar Galactica. Oh, Are whatever. you kidding me? I don't know. No, I like Babylon 5. I'm not a nerd. Whatever. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Those guys are epic. Sorry. Nerd. Okay. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's <laughs> Word with us. All right. Thanks for being with us, nerd. Thank you, David. <laughs> This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission Transmission. At GCTNetwork.com. You want to marry him, and he don't even know where he belongs, and you don't even know where you belong. Now, uh, let me tell you all everybody here how much I love these kids. Do you know I love you, sir? Stand up, big boy.